0: Our next lesson this morning will come from the book of Ephesians as we continue in our Relationship Roadmap series today. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 5 through 9. Ephesians 6, 5 through 9. We're going to start off in a little bit of a bumpy place, but hopefully we'll land the plane or we'll blow the plane up. We'll see either way. Ephesians 6, 5 through 9. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling in singleness of heart as you obey Christ. Not only while being watched, but in order to please them as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. Render service with enthusiasm as as to the Lord, not to men and women, knowing that whatever good we do, we receive the same again from the Lord, whether we are slaves or free. And masters, do the same to them. Stop threatening them, for you know that both of you have the same master in heaven, and with him there is no partiality. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Okay. The Bible can be challenging at times, can't it, y'all? The Bible's hard. There's a great um, verse from Peter in one of his writings where he says, Paul, like all other scripture, is often hard to understand. So we see that even real time, people struggle sometimes to understand what scripture was saying. I tell people that when I was a small, a kid, you've heard the story before. When I was a kid, my whoopings were always for my smart mouth. That's what I always got in trouble for. So when I was in college, that smart mouth just got personified with a little knowledge. So I used to always tell people my favorite verse of the Bible was Psalm 137, verse 9. Where the psalmist says, blessed are those who take your children and dash their heads against the rocks. That's what the Bible says, black and white, y'all. It doesn't say how we dash their heads. It doesn't say if we swing with the ankles or how we do it. But the Bible is very clear. The pathway to blessedness is to bash children's heads against rocks, right? That's what the Bible says. Well, that's where our old friend context comes into play. When you read that psalm, you see that's a psalm of anger where the Jewish people are angry that they've lost everything. So that psalm is actually a rant, if you will. That was Facebook before Facebook was invented. And they're just pouring out their anger. And I actually do love that psalm because there are times in our life when we're so angry, we have no choice but to give it to God. But if you take that one verse out of context, you can do great harm from taking one verse out of the context in which we find it placed in. One of the keys to understanding Scripture is to always look at the Bible passages within the context in which they're given. And likewise, to interpret the harder to understand passages in light of the more easy to understand passages. So let's take this passage here. Slaves, obey your masters. You don't have to go back too far in history. I'm reading a book on this right now. You don't have to go back too far, just 100 years, 150 years. And you can find this passage being used to do great harm what do we do with it well we look at it in context we look at it in scriptural context we look at it in biblical context so what do we see that yes this passage says this there but let's also go back to the old testament what was the dominant story of the old testament narrative god did what to the people in egypt he freed the slaves The dominant story of the Old Testament, that is the definitive story for the Jewish people in the Passover, is the story of God freeing the slaves, right? What do we see in Jesus' first message? Repent believe the gospel, yes, but he also says this, I have come to bring release to the captives. So when you see this passage in the broader sweep of Scripture, you see how it fits into place. And then you have to also understand that slavery in the Bible days, was very different from the American version of slavery that we've seen here. Slavery in this day was not a racial thing. It was not one race lording over the other. It was also based upon economic circumstance and based upon uh, military circumstance. So we see nothing related to the American context of slavery having anything to do with the biblical context of slavery. That's why context matters, y'all. That's why context is so important in Scripture. So you take the verse, read it in context with the rest, and then you read it in the broad sweep of Scripture. Why do you you think I hammer y'all so much on understanding the story of Scripture? How many times have you heard me say that Scripture is one story from Genesis to Revelation? You've heard me say that a million times. Because when you understand the broad sweep of Scripture, you understand how to interpret the things that can be challenging to understand. Okay, so... Paul's got this passage here in the middle of talks on relationships. So what I do is I'll say, hey, slaves and masters, you know what that sounds like? That sounds like work, doesn't it? You spend more time with your work colleagues than you do your family. Eight hours of work, eight hours of sleep, a couple hours of family. Most of our longest relationships that we're present with is with people we work with, our work colleagues, our coworkers. And these friendships develop there. So I want to real quick talk about the concept of friendship. Now, I think this passage is a great segue into work and a great segue into friendship. C.S. Lewis has this beautiful concept that friendship is one of the things. Lewis wrote a great book called The Four Loves. If you haven't read The Four Loves by C.S. Lewis, add it to your reading list. But Lewis talks about how friendship, friendship is not necessary for life. You don't need friends to live. You need food, clothing, shelter, those things. You don't need a friend to live. But yet it's your friends that make life worth living. Remember Castaway? If you've seen that movie Spoiler Alert, he gets lost on an island. And his best friend's Wilson, that ball. Did you ever think you'd cry so hard at a volleyball getting lost in the ocean? But Wilson was his friend. We all, we all need friends. We all need these relationships. Our friends help us in so many ways. First, like every other relationship in life, they help make us holy. Every relationship that God has given you, as Kate so beautifully said this morning in her children's message, every relationship we have in our, in, in our, in our life is put here to make us holy. What is holiness? To love God, love neighbor. That's ultimately what holiness is. Because loving, And we love God, love neighbor, we keep the law. We keep what James calls the royal commandment. Our friendships, our friendships should help us love God and love neighbor more. And I think to me that's always a test of friendship. If you're deciding if a friend is worth holding on to, if a friend's worth investing in, ask yourself this. this Does this friend, does this relationship help me love God more? Does this relationship help me love my neighbor more? Is this a friendship that I need to dig into more, that I need to put more energy and effort into. Our friends, these relationships, they are there to help us love God and love our neighbor more. They're there to help us be holy. That's one of the reasons God gives us friends. Another reason why God gives us friends is they carry each other's burdens with us. I love how Paul says in Galatians, Galatians, the end of Galatians, he talks about bearing each other's burdens and if you follow the morning lectionary, today is one of like, today's lectionary passages. was on David and Jonathan, two of, one of the best examples in Scripture of friendship. And when you read the story of David and Jonathan, you see that these two individuals bore each other's burdens. They were there for each other. They prayed with each other. They cried for each other. They were there for each other. Y'all, the road we walk is hard. There are difficult days in life, y'all. There's illness. There's sickness. There's tragedy. There's loneliness. There's stress. And we can't walk this road alone. Sure, we need God without a doubt. We need God and His Spirit with us to walk the road with us. But it isn't just that we need God. But we need somebody walking with us. John Wesley says you can no more speak of solitary Christianity than you can speak of holy adultery. I mean, John Wesley would say that our our friendships, our relationships are what truly help us walk. We need each other, y'all. We need each other. So God gives us friendships. Because our relationships in our life, our friendships help make us holy. God gives us our relationships because our relationships, our friendships, they help us carry the burden of life. There's someone walking beside us to carry the burden of life. And and thirdly, y'all, I think he gives us friendships because it gives us someone to serve. Because, yes, we need someone who can be there for us in our life, don't we? Hopefully, every one of you have someone that you could call at a moment's notice to be there for you. But where friendship really, really takes root is when you're there for them. Because friendship isn't just a one-way street where we receive. Friendship is a two-way street where we give. And I'm going to guarantee you, the people in your life that mean the most to you, yes, In some ways, it's the people who were there for you in those moments of need, those people who carried your burden. But I guarantee you, the people that you love the most, the people who are truest to you, are the people who you know in your life you have given back to. The people who you would drop anything at a moment's notice to be there for. The people you have driven back from vacation to comfort in grief. The people you have gone to the hospital to see the people you have texted and said, I'm praying for you. Yes, friendship is needed because the people who carry our burdens without a doubt. But friendship is needed because our hearts, our bodies, our souls, our very beings are created by God to give back. And if there's not someone in your life, y'all, if there's not someone in your life that not just that you can count on to be there for you, but someone that you can count on that you know you will be there for them. That's friendship. And that's the relationships that define us. We need those relationships in church. That's why you hear us harp so much about Sunday school, small group, service, missions, because that's where these relationships are formed, not just in worship, as great as worship is, but it's when we dig into that next level of connection and relationship. That's where things become real. We need those relationships. So that's why we're always pushing you. Join a small group. Join a Sunday school. Find your people. Plug in. Because that's where relationships are formed. I've got a group of guys, pastors. Every Thursday morning, we meet together on FaceTime. And they're pastors from all over the states. It's, it's five of us, counting myself. A couple of us are in the Jackson area, some of us are in other parts of the state. And we meet together every Thursday. Some days when I'm driving south, I'll FaceTime them when I'm on the road. And we, every week, we ask each other two questions. What's giving you life in this past week and what's taking life in this past week? And we just bear our souls. And outside of Holly, there's been no one in my life that I've been more honest with than those other four pastors. And I couldn't walk the road that I walk as a pastor, not just in this season, but in general, without them. We need these people, y'all. We need these people. Friendship is not necessary for survival, but friendship is necessary for life. So today... My prayer is that we as a church can help foster those relationships and help you find those relationships. And one of the best places to do it is in small groups and Sunday schools. We would love to help you find your place here at St. Matthew's. These relationships matter. And may we devote ourselves to being faithful to the relationships that God has given us. Let's pray.